Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Cannon Fodder on the Empire Strikes Back 40th birthday. I'm Kyle. And I'm Rick. And we've got a ringer this week to help celebrate 40 years of ESB with us from the Generation X-Wing podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Check it out. It's... Who is it? It's Rob Williams. How you doing, sir? Pew, pew. Cannon fodder. Here we are. Ewoks. Hey, keep... As long as there's no grands, we're all good. Oh, I've got grands in the mail. I got three grands coming in the mail, man. What? I'm not kidding. I got three grands coming in the mail. Two pins and a vinylmation. I'm so excited. My my empire is almost complete. So this is what you used to torment uh, Skyhopper Ben. How many? Oh. You are totally going to DM him pictures, aren't you? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> three pictures. It has to be three pictures because that's, you know, Reese has three eyes, three lenses to the camera, three pictures to Ben. That's how it works. I'll just send him nine. <laughs> on, on, on consecutive days There's, it was every funny day because, a new grand picture um, there was this random twitter uh, tweet that went out like about a month ago it was like some some guy just goes so like who is a fan of this guy and it was a picture of Reese and then Ben <laughs> caught it and he's like Rob you want to take this one and I just I just added all these pictures of my collection it was right behind me I just got like a, a shrine of Reese right behind me and I sent these pictures, and, and then I sent the picture of me dressed up like Rees in grade six in 1984. And the dude's like, I think he was being very polite. That's really cool. I'm like, yeah, right. You think that's really cool. <laughs> you think I got a problem. And uh, I do. I've always meant to ask you this. Uh, coming mm-hmm. out of the Solo movie, there's that six-eyed creature sitting at the Sabacc table who looks... Yeah. <laughs> do you feel resentment towards that character for sort yes. of one-upping Rees? Okay, first of all, I love the solo movie. Love the solo movie. But when I saw a six-eyed dude, even when I saw the pictures ahead of time, like, really, why not just use a grand? <laughs> why not? Why not? I, it's just, it doesn't, it, it's like a slap in the face. It's like going to dollar store and finding, like, Superman action figure, but it's it, it's not the same. It's just like, it's He's got He's twice the grand he used to be. <laughs> It was, it, it looked cool. The alien looked really cool. There were some really cool aliens. I wish they would, uh, that one big giant guy with one eye or something like that, that was in the little, um, space suit or something. Yeah. But it, it was just like, yeah, it, it was a little bit, uh, it was a little sad to see that they just couldn't put a couple, a couple more. They put a Greedo in there or they put a Rodian at the end. They even put uh, two tubes, which is not classic, but there was a Rodian and, uh, they even put, uh, Warwick Davis in there. Right, and it's just like, what about a grand? Couldn't give me a grand. Couldn't give me a grand. Okay, that's that's cool. That's well, cool. If, it, if it makes you any happier, that uh, Rodian died in the uh, the Mandalorian. <laughs> he died in the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah in the, the uh, third the same, episode. It's the same Rodian. Yeah. Shut up! Really? <laughs> yeah. When when they're having the shootout in uh, in Navarro, and all the bounty hunters come up before all the Mandos drop down. There's a, there's a Rodian. He's like an orange skin yeah. Rodian. It's yeah. the same one from Solo. I forget his name, but yeah, same one. He dies. How do you know that? What was it a storyline or? See, I, have you ever heard of Star Wars? <laughs> no, no, no. It's, but no, like no, no. It, it, it was it was something that came up like um, it was like a random question came up like on Twitter like two months ago. I, I want to say it was. Uh, I wonder if this is the same guy that was uh, the guy over here, and it turned out. Doing a little uh, Wikipedia uh, digging around, some people figured that it was the same one. It, it, it's confirmed the uh, the same Rodian. 
Oh, see, because that's just like when I just recently f- found out, I was listening to Sandcrawlers and Dengar, thanks to Dengar Dan, the Sandcrawlers, he was in um, episode nine. But he was like a new type of guy, something Deng. And he was like, he had like all the surgery and robotics done oh, to his yeah. face. Uh, Rath, Rathgar Deng or something yeah, like that. Rathgar Deng, yeah. Rathgar Dengar. And I'm like, now how do you know that for sure? And the and the encyclopedia or the uh, the visual dictionary totally, totally clues into it. Yes, exactly. You're pulling it out right now. His armor is painted his favorite color. And it's just like, no way. <clears throat> and you look at it and it's like, yeah, it's hard to deny that one. Well, you you looking at the book right now there? Yeah. Well, you're looking in somewhere there? in here, but yeah. What a bizarre thing. What a what a thing to do to Dengar. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 he looks like uh someone who just couldn't say no in in Beverly Hills. It's uh looking pretty rough down there, so. <laughs> looks like uh RoboCop 12. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. yeah, I any which way that uh, you didn't call me, you didn't have me on to talk about Rees. I'm sorry, I didn't make to make this a, a, a grand love fest. Well, so. you know, in, in three years from now, Rob, we'll reconvene and we will talk about Grand during the 40th anniversary of Return of the <laughs> Jedi for three hours if you want. <laughs> I'm okay with that. The one last thing I will say though uh, is it's really cool. Um, you guys, you guys talk about collecting all the time on uh, Tumbling Saber and uh, like everybody's on on our on our. Commonwealth Network talks about collecting and I like focus collecting. I've really enjoyed it because it's not, there are very few things out there that are of Rees, like someone going out there and collecting, um, Moma Nadons or, or going out there and Effitmons. I mean, how many things are you going to find that the, with three eyes? And I was just very fortunate that he was involved in the Disneyland rides and stuff. And so it's always nice to see if I can complete the collection. So, and I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I'm not going to get the, the costume though. I, just I can't think do. it's, it's niche enough that if you chipped away at a Reese collection, I bet you, you could call Guinness and say, I have the world's greatest <laughs> Reese collection. <laughs> and I bet you short of Steve Sansweet, you might win. Yeah. But you know, like dude, perfect's going to get in there and try to beat my record or something like that. Of that's course. what, the, you know. <laughs> if you don't know who Dude Perfect is, check them out. They that's all they do. Every week they try to beat a world record. <laughs> How many marshmallows you can fit up your nose while balancing on a ball or something. Aren't those the guys that toss that uh Ultimate Collector series Star Destroyer off a balcony? Yes. I Ugh, was when lunatics. I saw that I was like, whoa, that was harsh to watch. Lunatics. The anyway, only time I was angry at them. Crazy people. I, I love those guys. I love what they do. And uh, it's, it's great in the classroom. I can connect with the, my students and show them videos. It's safe. It's clean. But man, when I saw that, I was like, you guys are almost dead to me. <laughs> yeah, that was wild. But anyway, yeah. dearly beloved, uh, we yes. are gathered here yes, 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 yes. To, <laughs> to celebrate a 40th birthday of, for me, you heard me geek out on the, the last week's podcast or this week's podcast. Empire Strikes Back hit 40. I wanted to get back together with a couple of my pals here and do it all over again. Freak out over this masterpiece of a film. Uh, Rick, how did you celebrate Empire's 40th? I, uh... What time is it now? It is, uh... (laughs) Okay. No, really. I finished watching this movie an hour ago. I put it on. I I was in the kitchen... And uh, put the uh, Disney Plus uh, on and 
popped in the earbud and watched it while I was making dinner for my son because he didn't want to watch it. And um, <clears throat> now I, I don't have a son anymore. <laughs> so um, if anybody wants to. <laughs> this is like the third a... confession of murder on this podcast from three different people. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't murder him. Okay. He's out in the garage. He's fine. <laughs> He's just disowned. He's good. All. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. No. So I, I watched it and, um, and, and by the time we were ready to sit down and, and start eating, it was um, the, uh, the Yoda Luke Dagobah training scenes. And we'll get into specific scenes in a little bit, but um yeah, it was uh, it, it it was a moment. Um, so yeah, but uh, I did watch it. I did uh, <clears throat> after work today. I had to run to to uh, my local Target to get some stuff for the weekend because it is a holiday weekend here, and we plan on doing a little bit of grilling out. And um, you know, as we do, as uh, as we do when we have the chance, and we don't have anybody to tell us that we shouldn't, we we uh, we saunter down the uh, the toy aisle, and um, there was a, a a little parade of um, of some of these guys that oh. were just floating oh my around. God, look at that! This um, is what the um, black. This is the yes, sir. This is the black series, Empire Strikes Back for the anniversary of Lando Calrissian. Um, who looks sharp as hell. Package is nice and crisp. It was like, there's no way um, I was going to pass this one up. When this wave was released, this was the one that I was like, <clears throat> I want this one. I already have the archive Boba. I like the sculpt on the Boba. I don't have very many figures that are open face. You know, I like droids. I like creatures. I like kind of the weird stuff that Star Wars puts out. But I like Lando's, I mean... It's Lando. If you, don't, if you don't like Lando, if you're going to try to be like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to party, I want to get the f*** out of here. This is not. <laughs> Damn it. Tell us how you really feel. So, so I see this one on the peg, right? And I take it off the peg and uh, sitting right behind it <clears throat> was this handsome lad right here. This oh. Snow speeder Luke Skywalker looking uh, super dapper in his orange uh, flight suit. The helmet's on his face. And I was like, you know, I don't know if I want this one. And then I took a really good look at the sculpt of his face under the helmet. And uh, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. So I was like, yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to throw that one in the cart, too. <clears throat> so I threw that one in the cart. And then right behind that one on the same peg. Oh, oh man. <clears throat> you got bleep, this. Bleep, mud bleep. Yeah, this muddied up Dagobah. R2-D2 right behind him. And I'm like, well, I can't buy Luke and not buy Dagobah R2. That's the dynamic duo in this movie. It's not C-3PO and R2 in this movie. It's these two chuckleheads flying around the galaxy getting muddy and stuff. So I was like, well, I guess I kind of have to do that one too. So I was like, all right, well, I guess what? That one's going in the cart too. So I threw that one in the cart <laughs> and then sit right underneath them. Was this 40th anniversary? Oh, wow. That looks really nice probe droid the probe droid is gorgeous man and it's this beautiful sculpt there there was that uh it's like the it's like shop disney elite one that's like it's metal yeah um and it's like three or four dollars i think cheaper than this one disney even though it's Elite's like a, cheap for some reason but and they're cool yeah <clears throat> but the sculpt on that one is gorgeous this was a few dollars more and i was like you know what i think i'm gonna go ahead and throw this in the car too so i did and um 
So my 40th uh, anniversary uh, Empire Strikes Back uh, day was uh, pretty uh, pretty good. That probe is really nice. Yeah, it's yeah, super it, nice. It's sweet. I'm not. I if I had, I'm one of those that like for a lot of my boxed figures, especially the few deluxe ones that they have with uh, the Gamorian, this probe droid, and uh, Grievous. I'm like, I want to open them. I want to put them out. I, I also have the uh, the Emphis Nest uh, plaque series with the swoop bike. I want to open those and put them out. Almost, most yeah. of my like regular figures, I'm like, I'm going to keep those in box. But like, if I had somewhere to display this right now, because it comes with a stand. Um, there's a stand and uh, like a little plate in the box. I hope so, yeah. It's, it's, it's over here. Um so you can, you know, display it properly and like have it out somewhere where it's not, uh, you know, the cat's not going to knock it over or something. But, um, yeah, no, it, it's, um, I don't know, like I've, I just walking through Target at like two o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday. I'm like, let's see if they have any toys because my tar- the, there's two Targets around me and they've been barren for the last, I don't know how many months. I mean, I've only gone into the stores a, a few times because... You know, you sneeze and 12 people fall down like dominoes um, in the modern world. And <laughs> there's just nothing around. And I, I just happened to see these guys and I was like, I'm not, I can't pass these guys up. Um, I did pass up a uh, the Black Series 40th anniversary TIE Fighter. though. That was the only one I had to leave on the shelf. Um, Is that the big giant one? Oh, the, you're no, talking about the pilot, right? Well, oh, yeah, sorry. it's Black Series. Uh, this uh, this guy right here, the Black Series. Gotcha. Type yeah. of the pilot. Um, I had I had to put it down. I was like, no, I I can't do all of them. Um, it would have been Coward. nice. Coward. You know what, Rob? <laughs> you know what? Um, and uh, you know, just for uh, shits and giggles, I happened to pick these up a few weeks ago. Oh, like, look at that! Uh, my Han Solo and. Uh, my I love you and I know pins that uh, I felt were appropriate to display today. So, yeah, that's a, so that's that's, a Leia uh, Bespin Leia, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. Bespin Leia. That's uh, they get Black Series Rebels as awesome as they are. They you know they uh, you can't they can't name it Bespin Leia. So all of their pins are named something from the movies um, or some other goofy name that they made. So this is I love you. And this one is, I know. Yeah, it's just oh, stuff that can't be yeah. trademarked. You, you can't trademark. Yeah, I know. So, you know. All of their, all of like this one here, like it's it's peg warmer. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> that's the um, that's, that's star. That's what's um, called peg warmer. Yeah, yeah. That's the name. That's the name of the pin. These pins are maybe an inch tall. Um, but that's the uh, Death Star Destroyer. Um, the Death Star Commander is actually called a peg warmer peg. in that line. Yeah, Death Star yeah. Commander. Yeah. That's right. So the one with, uh, the, with the salad bowl on his head. This is Landino. It's uh, the Solo Lando. I mean, I got a bunch of these things on my uh, on my hat, which is uh, sitting right over here. Those pins are cute. This is uh, we could see it's a oh, Soka, Soka, but it's to them it's named Snips the White. <laughs> and, um, and these are this like Mexican the one. Uh, knockoffs. Yeah, and this is. Um, Darth Maul that they were giving out at celebration last year, but it's from the cup promotion that the rest of the like fast food stores were having. They were cup toppers. Um, there was a line that was, um, so this is actually Darth cup. 
Um, they had one. It was uh, there was a Anakin, Watto. I forget what the other ones were. Like they went out. Like they had pe- people get it. So like they did a, a shirt. Everybody wore these shirts to celebration on the Saturday last year. We all took a picture together. And if you happen to watch um, the Black Series Rebels YouTube show, um, they have like their quote unquote opening credits. And there's a scene of like a bunch of us when we took the picture. And there I am. And right next to me is uh, super fantastic artist Chris Hall and uh, some oh. other Brad Dirty from Talk uh, Talking Bay '94. And the guys from the Bombat Bombat cast are there. And uh, Lacey from uh, Resistance Broadcast was uh, was right behind us. And uh, yeah, so, so basically everybody except us. <laughs> well, I mean, had you been there, you might have been. Uh... <laughs> cool. So a good that day hurt. for Rick. Uh, Rob, how how did you were you able to do anything in honor of Empire Strikes Back today? The answer Dude, better. You should be have yes. ended with him. You should have ended with him because I just okay. So my <laughs> Empire Strikes Back thing, it's going to be short and sweet. I okay. I saw. I watched the movie yesterday for the first time in about eight years. I haven't watched this movie in a long time. Um, it's just you know, it's just what. I don't like watching movies over and over and over again. I get to savor it a little bit more. And I'm so glad I left that gap because there it it, it wasn't new, but it there were certain things that I just like, oh, I don't remember this. I don't remember this. It, it was just, I remember all the lines. I remember all the, the scenes, all the steps, all the fights, everything. But it's just like, it just felt really cool to watch it again and just to remind yourself of, Oh, there's Wilrow Hood. Oh, there's a moon in there. I didn't recognize that. It's just, I, I loved watching it. And um, that's pretty much all I did, to be honest with you. Um, I'm not a big buyer of things right now. Um, remember, what, Kyle, when we had a Target in Canada? Was it, remember those times? What, for about 15 minutes? Yeah, the last <laughs> thing they sold there was uh, Slave Lay and a Greedo. And you couldn't get those things off the shelves. But um, I didn't... I. I haven't been purchasing anything. Those look really good though. And, um, I know my buddy and Neil, uh, my co-host on the, on the, uh, generation X wing, he, uh, would probably grab that Lando if he hasn't done so already. So it's just that that's his boy. He loves Lando. So man, I wish I wish I had uh, done as much as you did Rick, but it's just, I just watched the movie for the first time and, and it was just like, it was good. It was good feels. It was, it was nice to, um, go back and watch it again. Well, let me stick with you, Rob. I wanted to ask, did you see Empire in theater? I was told I did. <laughs> okay, I was so you told don't remember that, it. No, I don't, re- I don't remember seeing it. I remember, like, I don't remember a world before Star Wars. I remember seeing it as a kid um, and all those. Yeah, I, I remember going to, to Jedi in the theaters. That's my first Star Wars theater memory. But I was told I saw both Star Wars and Empire in the theaters. But then every time my dad tells me the story, sometimes I'm thinking he's talking about when we went to see E.T. And I'm just like, yeah, he tells me the same story, but with a different movie. I'm like, I'm starting to question his authenticity of his stories. So, but he tells me, I I believe I did. Because I remember having all the toys. I remember having like an ad-at was the Christmas toy in my youth. It was the greatest toy, and it's still it's still sitting in my in my closet space right now. It was the toy I wanted, and that was an Empire Strikes Back toy. It wasn't a Jedi toy, and so it was later, but it, that's what I remember. And so I know I must have seen this movie. I just have no memory of it. 
what is the movie like i don't know if it, where it ranks i i, I don't i don't want to get wrapped up in the ranking game but this particular <laughs> movie what what is it meant to you over time because i think uh this this movie has had a bit of a roller coaster over time how is what do you remember your early impressions of the movie and uh compared to how you feel about the movie now uh when i was a kid loved it it was it was a star wars i loved it i just i never really thought too much about it it was just it just it was a way for me to tell stories with my action figures uh, it was a way for me to just enjoy this world of star wars it still ranks second in in my second or third but uh jedi for me is the first but i think that has a lot to do with memory and connection at the age i was it came out so this one came out in 80 and i was eight years old so that's my son's age right now and my son and i can tell he doesn't remember a lot of things uh they did last week never mind some movies he saw so the memory's still fresh in his mind but i just remember it was a it was uh it was it, it was in my world and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, the toys. I enjoyed playing it. I remember, I specifically remember put setting up my, um, uh, we had a spaceship. I think it was the, the Falcon, actually. And I would have these foam blocks that were torn up from like a couch. And, they, and we'd put them on string. And uh, we'd swoop in and out as the asteroid field. And it was cool, and it would bang against the uh, the Millennium Falcon. It was fun to play that. So that was all part of it. Now, when I think about it now, it's actually funny because I I talk about this a couple times on on my uh, podcast. It's uh, we talk about oh, the world of Star Wars before Empire, and that was a unique world because we had Donnie Marie, we had um, we had uh, the Muppet Show, we had all these weird this weird world of what people thought star wars was before before he was the uh darth Vader was the father before leia was the sister before any of this sort of stuff orlando even existed it was a weird world of star wars you had the celebrate uh, christmas special and so people had this assumption of what star wars was and it was very disco it was very 70s and then when empire came back it became more like no, 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 no. This is what Star Wars is. And that cemented the world of Star Wars. That cemented everything. This is like, this is the direction we're going. This is what this world is. And people were like, it felt a little more mature and grown up. Like, okay, that's, that was, 70s was silly. 70s was very silly when it came to space and exploration and all, and, and movies and stuff. But this matured, to me, this, I felt Empire made, gave it a mature feel of space, but yet still fun. And then Jedi just continued on with that sort of tale. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a great point that I hadn't considered at all. Because you, you guys tackle this sort of thing on Gen X-Wing where you talk about the holiday specials and you've done the Donnie and Marie Star Wars special and all that stuff. Yeah, people had this really disco version of Star Wars. Everything was disco back then. And... and Instead of steering into that, which would have been easy just to make Star Wars Part 2 and just do more of that <laughs> silliness, you're right. It's a perfect way to put it. Empire Strikes Back grew Star Wars up a little bit. It, it, it was, it was, that's the whole <clears throat> point of Empire. It was a, it, it, Star Wars is a, is a movie that takes place in a very short period of time. And when you think about the, all these other the Star Wars movies that happen – there's a lot of time that happens between the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. But Star Wars just seems to be almost like over a weekend adventure. 
because of, of what has happened. And now Empire is just, um, it takes a little bit longer. It, it pulls it out a little bit longer and lays the groundwork for much heavier world building. And despite the fact there's not as many aliens as you saw in, in Star Wars or Return of the Jedi, it just seemed like we're going to, we're going to build off of what we had and improve it and enhance it even further and, uh, and just, just make it um, meaningful in this world. Yeah, absolutely. How about, how about you, Rick? What's it, what, do you remember what it was like as a kid to watch this movie in relation to the other Star Wars movies? And where, do, where are your feelings with Empire now? Um, it, just like Rob, I was told that <laughs> I was, no, seriously, like I was in the theater to see Empire Strikes Back. Kyle, you and I were both two years old when this movie came out. Yep. And um, where we lived at the time, outside of Chicago, I was looking into this today, where we might have gone to see this movie. Um, in its initial run, Empire Strikes Back was a 70, 70 millimeter film. And at the time, there were only, I think, five theaters uh, in and around Chicago that were showing the original 70 millimeter print of this movie. So if I had to guess, I'm assuming my parents took my brother and I to go see this movie uh, in in Berwyn because we, we lived in, in a town that wasn't too far from there. Um, and I, Kyle had mentioned once before that there was a theater um, in Calumet City, the home of the Blues Brothers, south of Chicago, um, that had murals painted on like the drive up to the theater out in front. They had these big circles um, painted on like the concrete on like the asphalt out in front of the theater. Like what would what used to be just like a drive up drop off point. Um, when Empire came out, I I would search for months to try to find pictures of, of these paintings and they, they, they don't exist. Um but they had the biggest of the circles. I think there were five or, or or seven of them. The biggest of the circles in the middle was an edit, and it was it wasn't so much that it was painted and it all fit in the circle. It was it was painted in a way that it like came out of the circle. You know what I mean? Like it kind of busted off the side a little bit, and then there would be um, like Luke Yoda. I, I don't remember all of them, but I just remember. As it, like when it, when Return of the Jedi came out, we went to the same theater in Calumet City to see uh, uh, Return of the Jedi, and the mural was still there. It was there for years and years. But I think uh, to to expand on on what you were saying, Rob, about this movie growing up, I think the reason why this movie uh, has become a favorite for a lot of fans, um, those that were around at the time, and then. For, you know, Kyle and I, like, you know, coming into it even just a few years later, this movie to me feels the most fairy tale, like in its archetypes where, you know, you have it starts off with like the invading army is coming into the, the White Palace, the, you know, this place of purity. They're invading this place, and it's this, this dark, sinister, gray army. They're coming in. They're taking it away from our heroes. And everything about this movie, stylistically, is uh, emergence. You know what I mean? Like, they start off in the underground, and they make their way out. And then they're led right back into an underground. 
you know, uh, Luke ends up on Dagobah only to gain a wisdom, fly his way out, find find a, a better understanding. And for Luke, I'm sorry, for uh, for Han and Leia and Chewie and the droids, they fly out of Hoth. They fly, they fly from one underground and end up in another underground in the belly of the Exegorth um, until they have to emerge and find this other truth that is they're not safe wherever they go. And as the movie goes on and you find out that like your heroes are in peril this whole time, this movie also introduces the, um, the witch, you know, whether you're looking at the original cut of the movie or what we had like with the special edition, when Ian McDiarmid was put in, you were finally introduced to who the emperor is, this big gigantic overlord figure who is so infamous and beyond real he can only exist as a hologram because he's just that evil he can't just stand there and show his face to you he's bigger than all of it but then on the opposite side of that you get that holographic witch you also get this troll wizard in yoda and all of these um these fairy tale archetypes come out of this and they build into that hero's journey for Luke and the journey for our other heroes. And it, it, this movie lent itself so much into the worlds of a child's imagination because nothing about empire strikes back was familiar. Nothing about it felt safe. Everything was, we have to go to this other place. This other place is completely different from where we just were, where a new hope, you could go to a desert, you know, you could imagine yourself in a desert and, and feel like I want to be somewhere else. But you couldn't go to a place like Hoth comfortably and imagine yourself there. You couldn't imagine yourself comfortably. I can. <laughs> but, well, yeah, but I mean, but my point is like when, 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 you're, when you're a hero and your whole life is in flux because of a turn of events from the first chapters of your journey, you, this movie doesn't give you time to be comfortable anywhere. Everything about this movie is putting you into the deepest place that these characters can go to only for them to emerge on the other end with some glimmer of hope, with an image of a galaxy that they are trying to save. And that fairy tale as aspect of this movie more than the other two around it, for me personally, is what grounds me into it. Because in like, like you were saying, Rob, like those are some of the first toys that I remember having were Empire Strikes Back toys. You know, we were at that age when like, you know, my dad was telling, you know, friends and family, like, yeah, what do they want? Get them Star Wars toys. Get them, don't get them two of the same thing for me and my brother. No, get him one and then get him one. And then we just, we built the thing out of it. And like it, we were able to, to build our imaginations around that fairy tale setting that, that Empire Strikes Back gave to us more so than the other two movies around it. The Empire Strikes Back really, um, we, you mentioned toys. I think that's when even the toys became so much, it was on a, a whole nother level because with Star Wars toys, the, you had like, for example, the Star, the Sandcrawler playset, which was a cardboard back with a little bit of this and that. And there were that new action figures and stuff. But when Empire came out, they had giant vehicles like AT-ATs. I think a chicken walker was available in the Empire Strikes Back. I had this um, snow set 
uh, playset which had a crumbling bridge or exploding barrack mm-hmm. or something like that. The figures were cooler. The bounty hunters were cool. There was just so much more. They really upped their game with uh, with the Empire line. And I think even that made it a lot more like you're really into this world because they could have made like Lucas. When you have a big movie, for example, um, I don't know, Ghostbusters, something like that. When you do a part two. You could really screw up this, the franchise by just making it, oh, it's Star Wars, but now it's this happening. And they didn't. They they just decided we're going to make this world so much bigger and so much more than just a sequel. And I think that's where they really – that's where the genius of George Lucas happens and um, – how he just he saw something much bigger. I mean, he already had things planned before even Star Wars happened, but he knew how to write this opera. Yeah, these weren't. It was very. It was. I'm sorry. It was very rare to have a, a film story lend itself into a continuation of a story instead of just story 2.0. Yeah. Where yeah, you know, Star Wars two, quote unquote, Star Wars two could have just been, you know the blueprint of the first movie with another big space battle at the end. And George Lucas said, I'm not going to do that. Our big battle is going to be in the beginning of the movie and it's going to be on the land (laughs) and take that because everything at the time was beholden to studio execs who thought they knew what people wanted to see in theaters. And George Lucas said, well, no, I'm going to try to finance this movie on my own. And so I don't have to answer to any of that. And again, it's one of those things that were outside of what the mythology of star Wars gave to us, the the technical aspect of storytelling that George Lucas gave to us turned everything on its head too. Yeah, it, it's it's also the movie that, like you said, they could have just done Star Wars two, which would have been just another another bunch of generic battles just to rake in more money. But he said, no, we're 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 going to make a saga out of this, and we're going to we're getting into daddy issues with Luke and Vader. You know, there's some. <laughs> deep-seated stuff with Lucas coming out there. Um, the, you know, with Yoda, bringing in all that, like, Eastern philosophy into Star Wars. Like, there's some heady stuff being pulled into this children's franchise, and it's made, it's made, like, really accessible. You know, like, you can watch it as a child and get what's coming at you. You know, I don't think anything is so, uh, so buried deep that you, you can't get it. You know, I watched it. I watched it as well with my kids tonight uh, before we came coming on the podcast, and they, they they get what's going on. It's not something that is overly complex, but there are some really uh, meaningful themes in, uh, at play here. This um, you're you're talking about how as kids uh, we get it, and we did. I remember thinking back of it after again watching after watching it for the first time i remember like this is where a lot of the humor really started to cu- come into it it wasn't slapstick han solo's character is this is the best han solo is is in any in any series he is he's sharp-witted he's sarcastic he's uh, no nonsense and man when i look back at that movie and i think about how they got adam driver to play it and I remember when adam driver was selected and everybody like hey, he's not a han solo dude i see so much of adam driver 
in in Harrison Ford now. It's so weird. Like, yeah, that that looks like that's good casting now. They look so much alike, and his and Harrison Ford's wit in acting is so wonderful in this. And I really started to enjoy it. And, and the humor was there. C three PO was 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 his silliness, uh, very silly. I know Carlos loves C three PO, but um, <laughs> but he was. This is one of his best too. He's annoying. He's he's uh, oh woe is me. What about me? What about me? R two was playful. Yoda was playful. Everything was just they had this nice bit of humor, but then they brought you back to the seriousness of the situation. So, yeah, absolutely for sure. Um, so I mean, for you guys, for I know for me, like coming into Star Wars, I never saw any of them theatrically. It was just sort of all dumped into my lap at once in the mid eighties, <laughs> like eighty four, eighty five. My parents. You know, dubbed cassettes from like got from the video store, made our own home copies, and that's what we lived off. But we got we got that like one, two, three punch of Star Wars, the whole saga at once. So I never had to live with uh, that Vader reveal at the end of Empire. Never had to like I didn't have to sit there for three years and stew over whether or not it was true. All I had to do was just pop in the next tape and wait for the answer. Do you? Remember having to sit through that and an- wait for that answer? Was that a, a schoolyard thing that you guys debated? I have okay, so I'm glad you mentioned that because I it, it just goes to um, all these memories starting to flood back to me about a time between Empire and Jedi. I remember going to I think it was called Soccertron. It was this. Uh, I lived in Victoria in this area called Juan de Fuca. Or it was Colwood, but in Juan de Fuca, we had these soccer camps. And I specifically remember there was an argument in this soccer camp how this one kid uh, w- was arguing with his other kid how it's dark. It's Dark Vader's dad. It's not Dark Vader's. He's not. Or sorry, he's, he's uh, Luke is. Dark Vader is Luke's dad. And this kid was like, no, he's not. He's not his dad, and it's Darth Vader. No, and there was so there was a fight between Darth Vader and Darth Vader, and there was a fight between he's his dad. No, he's not his dad. I specifically remember this argument happening, and as much as I want to, like the kid who said Darth Vader, it was just it was we were all laughing at him, but he was right. He was the dad, and, but I never really clung on to it because I just assume, yeah, that's the way it is. Why would he, you know, I just, I, I was very naive and I just took whatever they told me. I had no reason to doubt that was the father and stuff like that. The whole father thing was never really, um, the crux of my world of star Wars, but I do specifically remember two kids arguing in a soccer camp about whether he was the dad or not. And now we, we, I just kind of laughed at the <laughs> argument. So yeah, you know, not that I, I don't think anybody wishes that they were any older than they currently are. I sometimes wish I was a bit older than I am right now, just so that I could have been part of that experience to see Empire in theaters at the time. Because watching, if if you got into Star Wars in a big way in 77 and you got hooked into that franchise and you latched onto the Luke character or whatever character, but specifically Luke, and you watch him go up against Vader in a, in on Bespin in Empire, and you you've got to be full of dread for your favorite character here, right? And you're just so scared of what could happen. And then he he loses his hand. Spoilers. And then... What? And then that reveal, like, <laughs> as if it's not enough to see your hero maimed and beaten up, then you get that. And it's like, holy cow. Like, what an experience that must have been to have for yourself in a theater. 
I, I can't even wrap my head around how cool that must have been if you were around for it. Also, the fact that is Han Solo, like they said he's alive, and I guess that that kind of numbed or not numbed dulled the uh, the concern for Han Solo, but he's gone. Where are they taking him? Now, as kids, we didn't know about the whole argument or not the argument, the uh, discussion of Harrison Ford maybe not wanting to do the third episode, all that stuff. We, you know, as kids, we never really got involved in that pre-internet, right? So it's just, but you're worried about Han Solo. You're worried about Luke Skywalker. Are we going to see Yoda again? Um, how's his hand? He is this, he's got a robotic hand now, all that sort of stuff. Who's that ugly looking uh, wrinkly guy? And why is Vader bowing to him? You know, it's just like there's a dude even better than Vader. So, yeah, they just they, the whole world just blew up in this movie. Um, yeah. Rick, how about you? Did, did, was it sort of dumped into your lap at once? Because, I mean, again, like you said, you and I are just a few days apart in age and <laughs> we were two when this movie came out. So when you came to Star Wars, did you have to sit with that reveal and think about it? Or was it just sort of in your mind? It's always been the way it is. I don't know if I remember well enough you know the idea that uh you know vader could could or could not have been his dad at the time and and if anybody was bringing up that conversation with me it would have been my own dad um because he was the one that was kind of championing star wars for us at the time um but i do remember going to see Return of the Jedi and the emotional weight of all of that in relation to Empire Strikes Back. Like I knew Return of the Jedi, like in my head, you know, because I remember seeing it three times in the theaters over that summer. Uh, I remember that it felt like it was the conclusion of the story that we were given more so in Return of the Jedi, I'm sorry, in uh, Empire Strikes Back than A New Hope. You know what I mean? Like they, it, they felt more closely related than A New Hope did to Return of the Jedi. Like the Luke from Empire grew into the Luke of Return of the Jedi for me because I think Empire was more prevalent. And like I said, that might have just been something that my dad was kind of pushing on us and, you know, making you, know, like I said, you know, having, you know, family members and stuff, you know, buy us toys and, and things like that. Maybe it was just in, in our kind of mental zeitgeist that way. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I, I said, I, I don't remember well enough whether or not it was, uh, anything that, that we were like, is Vader his dad? Is he not his dad? I mean, I remember when I was little it being scared of Yoda. Um, <laughs> and, it's kind and of the reason, well, no, the reason being is that one of my uncles, well, see now my, my dad was an artist and, and this is like all of my star Wars stuff is very personal because of my dad, but like he was an artist, like, you know, I have paintings in, in, in our place here that, that he did. And, um, his sketchbooks are right next to me and I, I'll never part with them. Um, he died a few months after return of the Jedi came out, but when, the 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 Halloweens prior to his death, he and um, one of my uncles on my mom's side, um, they would they would they would uh, or organize a um, a haunted house in in my uncle's garage, and my dad would always like paint up like these uh, like creature from the Black Lagoon like 
like plywood, you know, cutouts, whatever he would do, like the artistry painting on them or like a Dracula or he made coffins and stuff like that. And I remember um, the year after or in 1982, um, my my uncle had just put on like a brown. I guess he thought it was a robe, but it was just a sheet and he put on the Yoda mask that was around at the time. Now, mind you, my uncle's maybe an inch or two taller than I am. And I'm five foot five on a good day. Um, <laughs> but I was four years old. And for me <laughs> to see a Yoda who might be 18 inches on a, on a screen, all of a sudden be five foot six, scared the bejesus out of me, <laughs> man. So it, to me, as, as a kid, Yoda was scarier than, than Vader was for a little while. Until you know Vader's redemption happens, and you didn't. And I remember feeling what it was like to know that he wasn't a monster. There, there was a man behind that mask, and he had a story, and he was a person, and he was compassionate. But, but yeah, no, Yoda scared the shit out of me when I was little. <laughs> it's funny and, you say that. I, yeah, I was just about to bring up Vader because as as iconic a villain as he became right out of the shoot in Episode Four, to me as a character. He became so much more scary and powerful in Empire. And he does that without killing any good guys. He's only taken... He takes out his own guys more than he takes out the rebels in Empire. He chokes out Nita. <laughs> he chokes out Ozzel. You know, it, he doesn't do anything to anybody until he has his duel with Luke. He takes out Piet. But he's, but he's he not Piet, that doesn't he? Yeah, he, he's Sorry, not that bad of a person. No, 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 it's okay. It, it, he, he's not that bad of a person because he promotes a few of them. <laughs> he oh, them. He them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my He's God. handing out promotions left and right. <laughs> the clumsy well, and stupid no, Ozzel is out. Captain Piet, step up. Yeah, don't be clumsy and stupid. That's all. Yeah, but <laughs> That's it, your just, I love that scene where he... Uh, okay, so he chokes out uh, Ozzel and he makes... Um, he, who does he make uh, Admiral again? It was Captain Piet. Yeah, so he makes Captain Piet Admiral. Was that right after Ozzel? Yeah, I thought it was Nita first. Like, Ozzel's on his way out. Yeah. He's sort of like clinging to life, yeah. and and as he's as he's choking Ozzel out, he's promoting Piet. <laughs> I thought it was Nita. So, because uh, they're interchangeable at this at this point. It doesn't really matter because it's funny because he makes him Admiral. And then when he goes to the ship to apologize to Vader, he calls him captain again. Yeah. He's just like, you know, just it was a, that last little kick in the crotch. He's like, yeah, I apology accepted, <laughs> captain. And I'm like, oh, you no, you didn't. And, but it's that thing that's like he's he's terrifying to me in Empire, and he he's just taking out his own guys. And I I never even thought of it in terms of like, oh, maybe this character is shifting back towards the light. It was none of that. This guy was still totally dark to me. Yeah. And nothing... I, I don't even see a crack in the armor at all with Vader until... See, I don't know. I, I, think, I think I had it different with Vader because his... You start to see more of character for Vader in Empire Strikes Back as yes. opposed to A New Hope. In A New Hope, he's in the movie for, what, 17 minutes? And in Empire, he's the big bad guy. There's no more Tarkin. You know, all of the admirals and captains and generals and whoever, they all report to him until we get the reveal of the Emperor. 
But when that scene happens and he kneels down to another person, you're like, oh, well, he's he's in somebody else's palm. There's something else going on there. Everybody's got a boss. <laughs> and but but again, I remember thinking at the time, like, well, yeah, he's the bad guy and he's scary, but like there's more to him. You know what I mean? Like, I I just remember thinking as a kid, like, well, is he really the bad guy? You know, like, it just there was something else about his character that that lent some credence to the idea that he was more than, you know, the, the than a mask and a helmet. The, the, well, we do see his skull in the back, or his 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 little pruny little head in the back. That's when you see he's actually somewhat human. Yeah, I remember seeing that. That was freaky. That was just like. Oh, we got to see his head. Wonder what he looks like. Oh, you think he's maybe looks like uh, Dengar does now? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's one part in the like almost at the very end of the film when Luke is on the Falcon, he's convalescing, and Vader kind of reaches out to him through the Force and says, "Son, come with me." And it's just like that is the first point for me where I was like, "Oh." There's more, there's a lot more to this now. Like there's a vulnerability to Vader here. Like there's a weak spot to the, and this is obviously well before the prequels and Anakin's true nature w- was presented to us. But it was the first time I was like, Oh, okay. There, there's something going on here with, with Darth Vader. And of course, you know, we'll talk about Return of the Jedi in three years, but yeah, the, that, that to me is like a, a pivotal moment just by, just by James Earl Jones, just sort of, intonating that there's there's like a almost like a desperation there and there's that that wonderful scene it's still it's one of my favorite scenes i don't i I laugh at it all the time where he it's just like he's trying to talk to luke and then they're trying to get the hyperdrive working finally get it working boom he goes and vader just stands looking out that window and he looks down and does a double take and then he just looks down and then he walks back and everybody's like frightened to death. He's like, that dude's going to kill somebody right now. And he just quietly just walks past them like like they didn't even exist. It's not even worth his time. And it's it's a funny scene because not only do the double take, it's like, what the hell just happened? All right, I'm going to go back and think about this. And everybody's just shitting bricks like, oh, <laughs> don't look at him. Don't look at him. And that and just before just as he leaves, there's that one guy looking at his data pad like it's the most interesting goddamn thing in the world. And, <laughs> and when he walks by, he just he just looks over his shoulder like, holy shit. And I'm sorry, I'm swearing a lot, but says one of my favorite scenes. And it does tell you that he gives him a bit of a human nature that he didn't lash out, spaz out like Kylo does or anything like that. He's just like, Okay, I'm going to have to think about this one. You know what he's doing in that scene is like every mom, when they get so mad that they say to you, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's what that makes it worse. doing in that scene. Yeah, it's so much worse. Like, oh shit, because she can blow up at any time and I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> She's not yelling. That's what that's so doing. much worse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. How about uh, we didn't, when we talked about, um, this movie on our main show, we didn't talk about Lando really at all, but shame how dare on us. you? How dare us? Cause he's really like a, a pivotal character because he is. to that point and granted we're at, we're in the second movie. So it's not like there was just years and years of star Wars content in front of us. There was one film and half of another, but 
no gray character existed in Star Wars to that point. Like everybody was either good or bad. And Han introduces Lando to us as this guy. Eh, we can't really trust him, but you know, <laughs> he's my friend. So I guess we'll go to him. Uh, but the movie kind of pivots on Lando's actions one way or the other. And of course we know that Lando was strong-armed into turning over the you know Han and Leia and, and the gang over to Vader. But he's a really great character inserted into this saga that was built on the back of like classic tale of good versus evil. And in comes this guy who is very murky until the very closing scene. Rob, yeah. what's your take on, uh, on Lando? I, I, especially now, uh, after watching solo, it, it, I start to have a real appreciation for solo now and how on, on how that was, uh, how he's portrayed there. The story is so well connected. It's just like, now, you know, the story. So, I mean, that with being an adult and uh, being how old I am now and seeing all the story building that happened, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed Lando now. And I love his character and I love the fact you can't trust him, but he's smooth as hell. He's, he's cocky, he's charming. And he's still like, I don't trust you, but I can't help not like you. And in the end, he's just like, I had no choice. But you can still see some concern for his buddy, old old buddy Han. And uh, he's willing to, he, he sacrifices the entire Cloud City for a friend. If you really think about it, that's what he does. And yeah, there's probably some other small things if, uh, as you go right the deeper canon for it. But, um, I mean, the dude left behind Lobot. The friggin' best sidekick in the world. Lobot was the it, he was like no nonsense. I'll do whatever you want to do, and it didn't. I didn't realize till much later that Lobot was short for lobotomy, which is now <laughs> kind of sad. But um, but Lando was he was he was a he was a good character. That uh, when you say there was no great Han Solo was the closest to a great person that we saw. But then Calrissian comes in and is just like, you know what? I got a business to run. And I got people to protect, and you're just one person. But at the end, he just he switches it over. And when you watch Calrissian's facial expressions as he sees Luke for the first time, is like, is that why everybody is so? Is this the guy everybody wants? Is this what he keeps talking about? And then when he when they eventually go save Luke from the antenna, he's just like, this guy's a big deal. What's going on with this guy? And he you can see his curiosity about everybody's talking about there's something about skywalker in a way and then he's and he and then he's, he becomes part of the crew to the more to the part where he's actually stealing hands clothes but uh and you hear about him <laughs> like you own the falcon he, chewbacca knows him there's this whole backstory you that they that star wars does that's just like you wonder more at the time when it comes out. You're like, I wonder what his story is. I wonder how he had the Falcon. I wonder what it what he did to lose it. All that sort of stuff. That's what makes a great character. Not answering every bloody question. It's just kind of letting your mind kind of fill in the gaps. And then maybe one day you'll find out. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Rick, I wanted you to back clean up here on Lando because I know that he, he's your boy. <laughs> yeah, the, see, the thing about Lando is like he comes into this movie in in – that way that George Lucas frames characters, like you were saying that he, we get him in the middle of his story. The first time we meet him, he's alluding to stuff that already happened. 
uh, between him and Han. Um, and, you know, you know, you know, asking like, are you still hanging out with this loser Chewbacca? You know, stuff like that. And we don't know what's going on, you know, in 1980 or, you know, before Solo comes out, what, what any of that means. But we, we know that he and Han have had uh, a, a, a complicated relationship up to that point, you know, whatever it, it, it might have been. But again, you know, with, with the way that Irvin Kirshner put this movie together with George Lucas and the production design and everything, this is another example of a character emerging. Lando, as a business person, as a, to put it into a real world term, as a, you know, kind of a capitalist, he's... Uh, he's stuck on this place. He's made his life there. He probably swindled Cloud City from to the hands of whoever, we don't know who, and now he's stuck with this business being the Baron of Cloud City. And by the end of it, like you were saying, he has to come to terms with sacrificing all of that for his for his, his friends. And that that scene where Han and Chewie and Leia and uh, the uh, dismantled uh, C-3PO are in kind of like that prison cell and Lando comes in and Han punches him and Lando tells him, he's like, Vader doesn't care about any of you. He's more concerned about somebody named Skywalker. Like, I don't even know who this guy is. I'm trying to protect you. I don't give a damn about this kid. I'm worried about you guys because I know you. You're here. You're in my face. Lando's a realist that way. In the same way we see in Solo later on when he tells Han, I hate you. And Han's like, I know. And then he <laughs> takes off. He's like, screw you, dude. You screwed me over. It was in front of my face. I saw that. I was a witness to that. And he understands in during that like jail cell scene that what Han and Leia and Chewie and the Rebellion are about is bigger than this one person of Luke Skywalker. He's emblematic of the fight. He's the symbol of hope for whatever the galaxy could be. But Lando understands that you need, quote unquote, boots on the ground, you know, wings in the air to help bolster that fight. And Lando comes across as this character in the beginning who's like, yeah, he's willing to gamble. He has a history of gambling. He's taking a huge gamble on the guy that we know, you know, through, you know, retconning and storytelling over 40 years, swindled the hell out of him. He lost a huge gamble to Han Solo. He lost his ship. He lost what <laughs> might have been his livelihood at the time in the guise of the Millennium Falcon. And he's had to rebuild this life for himself. He becomes, you know, the Baron Steward of, of Cloud City, you know, handling all the Camtonos of ice cream in the galaxy. Uh, <laughs> You know, you know, for um, for everybody else, but um, it said, but it says a lot about his character to come into that point for the story. I think I think it's great to have a brand new character come in who's like the way he's introduced, where you know Han's looking for somewhere safe to go, and you know all the Anowit system. All Leia says, well, there isn't much there, and he says, well, interesting, Lando, the Lando system, and like one of the weirder deliveries of lines. In the Empire Strikes Back, the Lando system, he's Lando's not a system. Lando's a man. And it's like, eh, cool. But from that, <laughs> you get would you under, you get that misunderstanding from Leia that Lando is something bigger than just a person. You know, he he can be um again through the storytelling that we know, he can be the voice to gather the galaxy together. 
you know, he knows how to talk to people. Um, he knows how to um, make things happen in a way that's uh, manipulative without being, um, without Shyster. being like, uh, like, yeah, he's, he's not vile about it, you know? And then what we've learned, like in the comic books about him, like he was willing to bankroll everybody that worked at cloud city um out of his own pocket in in one of the one shot books and um what he was willing to do for lobot in the lando miniseries um to make sure that he was okay because the hit loyalty means something to him um and that doesn't just mean you know sticking your hoo-ha on a robot um for a couple of years <laughs> it means it it means you know doing right by the people that matter to you um that can make a difference to other individuals in the larger galaxy. You know what I love about their initial meeting? And it's it, it only works now because Solo kind of completes the circle. Han comes up to, to Lando and he, he kind of like fakes that punch. Like he's going to knock him dead. And then he gives him a big hug. And I love that they just reverse that in Solo yeah. where it's Han that looks like he's going to sock it to, to Lando. But it's all that little that ploy to get that card out of his sleeve, and I love that there's just that inversion of their meetings in both those scenes. It's I, I love that kind of thing in Star Wars. One thing I really um, we're sticking with Cloud City. Uh, I enjoyed that world. I, I loved Hoth, but Cloud City uh, really, and I got to give it props for uh, Lucas. Props for when he redid the the original trilogy the special effects. Cloud City gets the best uh, um, makeover yep. when it comes to the the, um, the the effects. He opens it up. It's not so close, uh, closed and tight like uh, he had with uh, maybe like Logan's Run. Everything so, seems so compact. But this one, he put windows in there. You see the world, the sky, the flying cloud cars, which are so impractical as a space vehicle but still so cool yep and and the best guns when you're playing black hole with your friends and it's just like it was such a wonderful world very flash gordon the music was was glorious and it was still mysterious because what's underneath them what is what are they mining what's underneath all the clouds and it was just it the the architecture the lights the it seemed like it uh, like a went on forever, these shafts. And uh, I really enjoy Cloud City and its uh, architecture. That's one of my favorite parts about um, Empire Strikes Back, and especially the redone version, the way Lucas really built up the city by opening up a window. Yeah, well, it's like you're reading my mind. I was going there next. Um, the special editions, both A New Hope and Re Return of the Jedi, got some pretty significant additions, for better or worse. But Empire... It's touch-ups. It's small insertions. It's small little changes that they did here and there. Like they, like you said, I think the most significant is opening up Cloud City visually, aesthetically. Yeah. And but it, it it also for me it just it underlines the fact that because there's so few fundamental changes to uh, to Empire Strikes Back in the special editions, it just speaks to how perfect the movie was to begin with, and it just needed those upgrades in technology that didn't exist in 1980. So it's, it, to me, it's just such an achievement in that regard that you don't need to do anything to this movie. Sure. Mm -hmm. Upgrade the effects when, when and where possible, but otherwise it's just, it's pitch perfect all the way through. I, 
it's 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 incredible to me. It's a stunning movie in that regard yeah. to me. Definitely. <laughs> There's Lando again. Uh, so before before we start to wrap it up a bit, uh, I just we we got to talk about favorite scenes. Rick, you got a, you I do got got a favorite a, scene? I do have a question first sure. before anything else. It's it. I'm going to be asking my my pals on the podcast when we do when we do the Empire Strikes Back. But my question for you guys is: What does Yoda's dinner taste like? Uh, I was going to say like <laughs> mulched up tree bark with some mud. You would eat mud, you think, eh? I like the tree bark though. I love that idea of shake, like it's almost like a they make sarsaparilla out of sarsaparilla roots. So you you got some tree bark in there, possibly. Yeah. Do you think he's a vegetarian? It's, uh, it's it's root leaf. It's a root leaf yeah. stew or broth. I think. Oh, is it, so is this if for it's, sure. He actually calls it root leaf. Yeah. But if I had to picture what it tastes like, it tastes like tree bark to me. Yeah, he he, he says that in the movie. Uh, like uh, Luke leaf. takes a little sip and and makes the face. Yeah, and he says root leaf. Um, but oh, if I had that? to venture, if I had to venture a taste, uh, it probably tastes like boiled tobacco leaves. Oh, cause Luke, <laughs> Luke makes that face. <laughs> he makes that face like, Ooh, I'd rather go back to my, uh, chiclets and, uh, celery sticks that I had in my box. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, like, I do wonder that. I wonder what the food tastes like because Luke's got that little uh, ration kit and he's eating this thing. It looks like almost like a, a tortilla rolled up or some sort of granola bar or something like taquitos. that. Taquitos. <laughs> if it was a taquito, I'd be, I'd want to go there right now. They're delicious. I want taquitos. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, root leaf. I'm so glad you told me that. that. I, I, I. For years now, I never knew that he actually called it root leaf. I was thinking, is that a comic yeah. book thing or is that a book? No, but it's, think, it's, think he about actually how says oxymoron it. Oxymoron eh? that is. Root leaf. It makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a town, not you know, half an hour from where I live, called Valleyfield. <laughs> Why? Well, there's a field in the valley. Why? Yes. It just it's know? one or the other. Pick one. <laughs> Be the town of valley or the town of field. Root leaf. Oh my root god, leaf. you're root right. Root leaf stew. It's disgusting. Does, what does ginseng taste like? On its own? Yeah. I have no idea. It's kind of like a little, it's got a little spice to it. Uh, it's not bad. Oh, I wonder if it's, okay. Anyways, I'm just, now my brain's, now I'm going to be thinking about this all the time. Like, oh, why am I thinking about this? Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Well, sorry, I, sorry, well, sorry. Rob, sorry. To, well, to answer your question as to whether or not Yoda is vegetarian or vegan, I guess canonically he is. We don't see him eat anything else other than root leaf stew. I don't say he, he may be by choice, but we know that his species yeah, is not. Baby Yoda eats that Yoda frog. that frog in his mouth. I just yep. have this he image of, it out, but he still puts it in his mouth. That's true. I just had this image of Yoda hunched over his log, like a wampa eating like a crocodile, just, just, gah, 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 just grunting <laughs> away. Blood <laughs> dripping down from his jaw. There's a little tiny little uh, wrinkly jaw. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, he's got, I I would think he's got to be a meat eater because he's got pointy teeth. If he was, yeah. a, if he was a vegetarian, he'd have he's those got, like molars just for grinding. He's got claws. He's got claws. His hands have like little yeah. long fingernails on I, them and his feet do too. If we've Probably accomplished like anything over like the last two episodes. We've solved the anatomy of Yoda. We've, we have solved the <laughs> diet needs 
the, I forgot that Baby Yoda ate the frog. That's totally right. Yeah. And that was instinctual. He just ate it. You know, he just gulped it down. He ate that the way Ninja Turtles eat pizza. Oh, like, I think that was one of the toppings on their pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Root leaf and frog legs. Oh, jeez. With marshmallow. There so. Sorry. Oh. Sorry, Kyle. I didn't mean to cut you off no, there. No, no. Favorite I, scenes. If we can, I, if we want to talk Empire for four hours, I'm game. Um, Rick, any favorite moments or scenes that you want to highlight? Um, man, it's really hard to say with this movie because it's a two hour favorite scene. (laughs) You know what? This, this is one of those very rare instances where the individual parts equal the sum. You know what I mean? Like it's a series of moments that are all fantastic. I can't think I was, while I was watching it earlier today, I was thinking like, like when would I go to the bathroom during this movie? You know what I mean? Like if it was in a theater and I'd seen it a couple of times, like what's the moment that I'd be comfortable getting up and going to the bathroom. And there's maybe two moments that I can think of, but they're so short. We're talking like 20 or 30 second moments that like, you're going to miss something, you know, one way or another. Like, um, there's a scene where, uh, where Luke is, uh, is training on Dagobah where there's maybe like 15 seconds of, of kind of quiet time. And I'd be like, give me the cup. I'm going right now. I can't <laughs> hold it. Um, where I, like, that's the only time you can focus on something else that isn't, isn't, uh, uh, integral to the movie and there's one other scene that i don't remember what it is right now but with han but like favorite moments um if 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 we're boiling moments down to maybe like a minute or two of screen time as opposed to just like the battle of hoth because that's you know the first you know half hour of the movie or something but um a couple of moments oh okay um so the introduction of 3PO and R2 in the movie is them arguing. Um, their first bit of dialogue together is C-3PO saying, um, well, of course her room is freezing. You know, all of her clothes are flooded out because R2-D2 turned the heat up in her room. So he was like, well, yeah, of course it's freezing. We're on Hoth, you dumbass. <laughs> uh, so like, there's that moment of like C-3PO's uh, snarkiness. There's that. There's, um, oh man, the scene of, of Yoda describing the Force. Um, watching it a, a few hours ago, I was like, I was just sitting there. I was watching it. And this happens from time to time with, with these movies where... I find myself getting emotional during scenes that I don't consistently get emotional at where like I, I know when the choir pops up in return of the Jedi, I'm going to get sweaty eyes. It's just, it's going to happen. There's so much personal emotion in that scene of Vader's turn and the music around it, that it's really hard for me to distance like personal stuff from that three or four minutes of the movie. But um, today, you know, watching it, when Luke is trying to pull the X-Wing out of the, the swamp water and he doesn't do it, and he, he 
he does it and he's just like his hand is just out and then he sits down like <laughs> and he's like he's like sweating you know he's like breathing heavy like a gymnast like you know you mean like they come off the mat and all of a sudden they're like hyperventilating like crazy and uh and yoda like he breaks it he like like stamps his little cane down he's like no loser listen <laughs> this is what this is about and he breaks down what the force is. I found myself tonight like getting really emotional in that scene because it was a moment for for Luke to be like, holy shit, like I had everything that I thought I knew was just wrong. And and it it says something about that 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 mentor student relationship, the parent-son relationship. Um, that that's there in, in that scene. But like, it, it just, it weighed so heavy on me tonight where I was like, I had like, I was welling up, but I had a huge grin on my face at the same time, because as poignant as it is, as beautiful as that moment is, it's still, it, it, you know, it donkey punches you right in the soul, man. Like it just, it hurts to hear it. Like anybody tells you what should be so blatantly obvious that when you, when you hear it, you're like, Oh, pfft. Yeah, I knew that. But then you're like, oh, fuck, how could I have been so stupid? Like, that's Luke in that moment. You know, all he had to do was just was drop his guard for that one half a second and not worry about not having sleeves on his cool ass shirt while he's running around the swamp like a badass. (laughs) He's got to worry about, you know, what his place is in the grander scheme of the life surrounding him in that dirty, dingy place. Um and uh, if there's any one other single moment uh, it, after all of that, huh, you know, the uh, the the I love you, I know moment is just it, it's such a perfect scene. It's so campy and like 30s, 40s movie making um, and to find out later on that it was basically improv um, on a chance um, was it's it. it it's a great moment because everything around it, the way it's framed where like Leia's face is like underlit. So like her face looks really long um, and very sallow and like her eyes are kind of sunken in a little bit. And like, there's so much fear and despair uh, in that moment. And you get, you know, blank face. Um, everybody else is a mask, you know, Vader, Boba, the stormtroopers, like Ugnats, everybody is an unrelatable face. And there's this that that tight shot of of Leia's of um, her broken demeanor, only for her to come out on the other end as like, "Give me your gun, let's go!" And she's just like, and like she's she doesn't carry that anymore. She's been in that moment. She's moved on to like, okay, now what do I have to do? So, those would be my three. All great moments. Oh man, yes. so terrific. I, what I love about the escape from Bespin with regards to Leia is that, like, Lando's got to drag her away. Like, there's a moment where you see he's grabbing her and he's, like, dragging her off. And she's, Let's like, mowing down stormtroopers and she's so angry. And I don't know if the anger fully comes across, but he's, like, like he literally has to, like, physically pull her away because she just wants to shoot stormtroopers for what they've done. And I, I love that moment. I love what it says about Leia being, this is the, the daughter of Anakin and Padme and... Either one of those, but it would, would have been in the same spot. Uh, She's a badass. Rob. It's, uh, scenes real quick. Um, 
my scenes are always different from when I'm a kid to when I'm a teenager to when I'm an adult. If I was a kid, you know, I, I, I just like the ad ass stomping around and blowing away things. It was, it was always cool as a teenager. Ooh, bounty hunters. I love the bounty hunters. I want to know everything about the bounty hunters. I want to know about Dengar for LOM, all that sort of stuff. Um, is it, by the way, is it true for LOM is, is for love of money, for love of money, or is that just uh, a joke? Is that what it stands I've for? Heard- I've heard two things for love of money or for yeah. love or money. Oh, I, I, I meant of, but yeah, of more, makes more yeah, sense to me, but uh, as a bounty hunter, but, uh, and then I think overall though, I, I, Oh, Lobot, my God, the, the scene where he's just like opens his eyes, he's in that room all by himself. And then you see a uh, Calrissian tick, 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 tick on his little wrist and all of a sudden eyes open powers on. All right. Time to get to work. Lobot's eyes. That's where he's just, you know, that those two are thinking the same thing. Uh, after, after Han's been frozen and Vader's like, alter the Dale, pray I don't alter any further. Calrissian's just like, crap. And he just looks over his shoulder and Lobot's like, I got gotcha. you. I know it. We're on it. So plan B. I love Lobot so much. Um, but most of all, I just like, it's very this is one of the most quotable movies in Star Wars uh in the Star Wars lore. I, Han Solo especially it's just like it's not my fault it's not my fault all that sort of, the banging of the falcon and stuff. This one goes here, that one goes there. And it's he's constantly just got all these great little uh little sayings and even things that should not work. Um even when Leia says um it's just scruffy hurt scruffy nerve hurter that in every other any other movie is not a good line, but Leia sells it, Han sells it. Who's scruffy looking? It's just they sell it. They sell it so well, and you just accept nerf herder. You accept you accept scruffy as an insult. It just it all that sort of stuff. The lines in this movie are so great. I just I just love it, and um, I think Han Solo, especially anytime Han Solo's on on screen and uh, just bickering with Leia, it's it's just wonderful. And uh, that's usually my favorite stuff. Um, and that, that, yeah. that's, that's thanks. This is, I mean, we haven't talked about him at all, but Lawrence Kasdan as the writer coming in. And this is the guy who elevates Han Solo from the, the, the guy in New Hope who was cool, but he gave this guy so much personality and like, it's all there with Han in Empire. The best Han's ever been I to think, me is in Empire. I I think between him and Kirshner, they they gave Harrison Ford room to kind of help create this character. Um, I don't know if you guys have kind of dug deep into the earlier drafts of Empire Strikes Back. Um, you can find the um, the Lee Brackett, uh, like first or second draft of the movie. It's weird, it's, man. It's I'm for the out Snyder there. Cut. Oh, okay. This podcast is over. Um, there, uh, this, the, the leap racket script is so bonkers with (laughs) like Han, Han has a stepdad that they're supposed to find, um, who's like the leader of, it's not a criminal syndicate, but he's like, he's like a capitalist, uh, like he, he's like a trade route kind of owner, whatever. So he's described as the third most powerful person in the galaxy behind the emperor and Vader himself. Um, 
Luke wants to learn more about the Force as a way to show up Han because Leia likes Han and not him. <laughs> um, I, the 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 changes that that came out. Um, there are some things that 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 are in that script that um, kind of made their way into the final version of the movie. Um, but some of the stuff that was in there, and you know, sadly, Lee Brackett died very close to when she returned when when she turned in her version of the script uh, to George Lucas. Um, it might have been. I, he said it was. There was that interview today that came out on StarWars.com. Um, George Lucas said that she died the day that she turned in that draft, um, where I've heard otherwise that, that she died like upwards of a month later before a lot of revisions were done. But yeah, that script is bonkers. And well, what it says to like Han Solo's character and what Kasdan did uh, to build his character through conversation and through circumstance, like the that's like the, one of the greatest things about this movie is that as dark as it is, the humor of The Empire Strikes Back is so great because it's all situational humor. It's not slapstick yeah. humor. It's not uh, it's not uh, scripted humor in a way that's, uh, I have to put a joke here. It's, you know, shut this goddamn robot up. You know what I mean? Because he's talking to me. You know what I mean? It, it, it's written in a way that seems more natural because they're in stressful moments and you react in more rash ways. And that's like, the great thing about Han Solo and in and, and the way he's presented in this movie that that Lawrence Kasdan just got about character uh, writing and development. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. I mean, it's you a can, situational you cannot joke. say exactly. You cannot say that line without like an eight second pause <laughs> between. <laughs> on the outside, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's great about three PO is that everybody dumps on 3PO in this movie and every time he gets dumped on just about every time he's dumped on he's genuinely trying to help or point something out that yeah. is useful is and they're just saying shut up like you're you're so annoying and we get it like because we're like he's he's so centered though he's like turn around I can't see what's going on oh look he's being frozen carbonite and it's just like dude read the room well, he's, that's the thing. He's never able to read the room. Even going into Rise of Skywalker, he's the guy that just still is oblivious to that sort of thing. Like, yeah. he calls out there at the Festival of whatever it is, Festival of the Ancestors, something like that. And they're on a quest. They're on this fetch quest to find whatever it is they're on Pasana for. And he's talking about this festival. And they all they all look back at him. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't know why they're looking at him. It's, it's the same nope. guy. It's the same character. It's so well written. But uh, that's the thing about the way he's written in Empire is that he is. He's the exposition for the movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's the one that says how hard things are. He's the one that says, well, you know, don't listen to that thing. And, and like, you know, telling R2, like, you can't trust this computer system. And like, R2 is <laughs> like, hey, I'm trying to tell you, jerk. And, you know, he's, but he also presents a lot of humor that way. Yeah. What, the last thing that I want to just throw in here, because I, I, it, it came to me, I had a seedling of this thought and I never really let it crystallize, <clears throat> but it came to me today fully. Luke is heading off into that dark side cave and he says, I feel cold. I feel death. And Yoda says, the only thing that's in there, you know, the dark, that, that place is strong with the dark side, but 
the only thing you'll find in there is what you take with you. Mm-hmm. And so Luke then clips on his weapons like yeah. dummy, you know, like your master is trying to tell you something. Right. And the, the same guy who just minutes earlier said wars don't wars not make one great. You know, there, there's there's things on the wall here that Yoda's putting up for everybody to see, especially Luke. But then when you carry that forward, you know, Luke going into that cave with his weapons and he comes to this, has this horrifying vision. I've always wondered, like when going into Last Jedi, when he's that, that when he decides he's going to go into Ben Solo's hut and confront him, he's got to go through that door of the hut. Does he feel cold and death as he's about to walk into that hut with Kylo? And yet he still goes in there with his, with his lightsaber. It's he's, it's almost like he's repeating that mistake from Dagobah. Yeah, it's like old habits dying hard, and I just you know it makes me wonder if he had taken that lesson to heart a little more, or or you know it's just or it's a character flaw. That's just the way he is to you know to carry that thing with him, and you know if he had entered that hut with something else, like with no weapon and st- at all, would things have gone differently? This- I think the Skywalker family, as short as it is, because it's a short generation, it's Anakin, it's Shmi, Anakin, Luke, and, and Leia. That's all you get. And the males of this, of, this, uh, of, this, of this bloodline are not always, they're naive, they're um, short-minded, hot-headed, and whiny in many ways. And I, it's just like you kind of wish that someone else had control of the of the, of the steering wheel at times. Yeah. And um, and Luke really he learns a lot, but then he doesn't learn a lot. Sometimes he just goes back to his old ways, as you were saying. He just kind of like some the more things change, the more they stay the same. And uh, he does step up. You, you've worked with a guy who's just sometimes you're like, you still doing that? Why are you still making these same mistakes? But then they just step up and they and they save the day. They they can be good friends and reliable, but they're also dimwits sometimes because they're still doing the same stupid shit every time. Well, and that's what makes Jedi relatable, right? Because yeah. they're not superheroes. Sometimes maybe you think we might be tempted to think of them as invincible and almighty but they're yeah. not they're just people with this these enhanced powers but they're still they are still prone to making mistakes just like anybody else and i think with luke specifically yeah man he he makes big mistakes he doesn't listen he's stubborn he's he ends up being wise but he's just like any of us that can stumble and fall and empire really highlights that and it's a huge piece of what makes the movie so great to me is that Luke is so. Yeah, at some point he's all of us, right? He's, he's yeah. Our our ambitions and our drive, and that can all be short circuited by a lack of patience or too much aggression, and that's just one facet of why this movie is so damn good. Well, now now that we have all all nine movies in this saga, we've at least in my interpretation of you know, the, the Skywalker males, they have to grow their way out of a sense of entitlement. You know, Anakin felt that he 
was the best Jedi that ever lived. You know, he was going to learn these things, you know, for selfish reasons to save somebody that he loved. Luke aspired to be somewhere else. You know, that that momentous 10 seconds of A New Hope of the binary sunset where it's a longing, but it's an expression of his desire that he does not belong where he is. He is owed a different life somewhere. And it it happens, but tragically. And with Ben Solo, he lives under the guise of the names of his parents. He's living a life of entitlement, and he doesn't know how to handle that. And through that, he is manipulated, and he falls. And he becomes the villain of... Uh, a heroic family saga and it's only with losing that title losing his name losing his self that he can you know grow away from that sacrifice himself learn that it's not about him it's not about his family name even um as skywalkers and solos um that the, the that legacy ultimately doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things he has to be willing to let that go it, you cannot exist for selfish reasons, purely for selfish reasons, because I am that legacy. Your legacy can be whatever you deem it to be. And once he's willing to let that go, I think that's one of the reasons why, if we look at it and we you know, go and overanalyze things, that he doesn't speak at the end of The Rise of Skywalker. He doesn't have to. His actions are speaking for him. Mm-hmm. And... The qualms that I have with the character of Ben Solo, I mean, he's not my favorite character of the sequel trilogy after I've made that known, but what it says about the legacy of his uh, his DNA, his genetics, you know, are that he should be willing to grow away from that. His name ultimately doesn't matter. He doesn't have to be the person to save the galaxy in order to make a difference, but he has to be willing to pass on what he's learned through the generations of his ancestors to make a better life for somebody else. And that I think is what the legacy of a Ben Solo Skywalker Organa should be as opposed to just, no, I'm serious. I mean, that's who he is, yeah, you know, I mean, exactly it's it, it, in, in the rise of Skywalker novelization. And I mean, you know, Leia makes it very plainly clear of who she's doling names out to symbolically to other characters. And, Ben is all of them. He's the rebellious side that is Han Solo. He's the the charismatic leader, you know, hot-headed um, um, champion that Leia can be. But he's also the naive farm boy that Luke is and that Anakin once was. Um, he's all of that. And it's only then that he, you know, starts to put all of that stuff together that, you know, you get that whole picture. And it's, it's, sadly, it's only for you know, five or six minutes of the last movie. But, you know, those seeds are planted in a movie like The Empire Strikes Back when you see each of those characters diverged from each other to become their own uh, uh, separate uh, uh, entities where they, 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 you know, they do realize that, that they're stronger together in the end, but they're separated by circumstance. And, and their struggle is made that much harder because... You know, there's bonds that are broken and trusts that are that are lost and and um 
you know, the 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 divide of, of just space, you know, the way that movie ends. Um, there's there's so many, you know, larger symbolic things that this movie throws out. And the fact that George Lucas was willing to let Irvin Kirshner put that stamp creatively, um, visually on this movie, you know, with other, you know, producers and, and art designers and stuff and, and make that this part of the story be this thing that, you know, connects into, you know, what we have now, um, you know, maybe not so much with the force awakens and the last Jedi. I mean, there's, you know, definitely parallels to be drawn with the last Jedi, but when you look at the, the family saga as a whole, I mean, there's so many harder connections that you can put between empire strikes back and, and kind of the tail end of, of, uh, the rise of Skywalker, um, with the culmination of who Ben Solo as a person is. And again, I mean, I, and I say that as a person who isn't a big fan of Ben Solo, Kylo Ren, you know, those connections still exist. Those familial bonds still exist. And those seeds are planted in the empire strikes back. I think uh, real quick to add to that, you, you, entitlement's a great word for it. And I think that's exactly it because Leia came from royalty, came from privilege, came from all that, but she never felt entitled. She's, she used her power to do what was good till the very end. And yeah. she, she was, a if anybody should have been a true Jedi Knight, I think she should have been it. Uh, when you think about it in the end, I mean, we think about when, um, when in star Wars, uh, Ben dies, Alderaan's blown up, but who's the one whining? And I know maybe that's partially because of poor writing at the time, because we they don't build a lot of female characters in this sort of thing. We need to appease the male character. I feel that's a little bit of the writing, but at the same time, they didn't they they built up Leia as a as a person who will take her privilege and use it to help others and privilege others. And that's what makes Leia such a character and which bring and even magnifies the faults in characters like Ben, like Luke, like Anakin. For sure. Yeah, she 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 uses her strength in in a in a humble sort of way. She's not overbearing in her directions. She never tells Han like I'm giving you orders, Captain, to stay and help us because we can use you. <laughs> No, she's saying, oh, listen, I get it. You have to go and it sucks, but we can use you. You know, yeah. there's 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 a purpose here. You know, you've you've become a part of this thing for a reason. And it's not just because you're a good pilot or you're a crack shot, but it's because you're you're noble and you have um a greater sense of humanity that can help everybody else. And that's that's a very emblematic of of the Leia character that those seeds are planted again in, in this movie. You know, we, we get those base archetypes in A New Hope for who these characters are. But the way that they're expanded upon and fleshed out in Empire, again, as not just Star Wars 2, as the next part, the next chapter in 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 this story, um, it, it it gives so much to all of the characters involved to, to, to make it more understandable that what the, what the sacrifice is, what these characters are really about and what it means for the generations that we, you know, get subsequently, um, afterwards. That's uh, super well said. Um, I think that's a, a good place to bring the pod to a close. Absolutely. Um, guys, I want to say, uh, Rob, I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, if you have any final thoughts you want to get out there, otherwise, uh, tell us what's going on at Gen X wing. Uh, first of all, I just no, I got no more final thought. I just I'm I'm glad I going back to what I said to start. I'm glad I took a break from watching Empire Strikes Back and looked at it again with these, just after all this time. And it really, I, 
it really made it a lot of fun. And now that I have this whole world of solo and the prequels and the sequels, it just, it just makes it stand out to be such a wonderful movie. And, um, I like, I, I, I'm glad that I got a chance to talk with you guys because this also gives me, and this is where I'm leading into what your question was. I leads me into us talking about our, and the, 40th anniversary on our podcast which is going to be out in a couple weeks so this has given me a lot of things to thought think about and to bring up with my boys at uh, generation x-wing so thank you very much for this i really appreciate coming here and chatting with you guys about this yeah this i mean again this this is like the easiest conversation to have of all time it's (laughs) (laughs) talking about my personal favorite movie of all time but uh now this was absolutely fantastic Uh, rob where can uh where can the good folks find the generation x-wing podcast well, they, we are obviously part of the Commonwealth, and um, we're going to be talking uh, in a couple of weeks. We're going to be talking about Empire Strikes Back 40th anniversary, and the week after that. And I'm holding this up right for you guys. I'm, I'm holding the General Zod Neil Before Zod trophy. We're going to be doing another GXW versus trivia contest. Nice, we, nice. I, I love these. I those love are, these contests. Those are the They're best. So I love those episodes. So I and so we're going to be doing a contest. And uh, if you don't know about this, it's uh, it's a Beat up trophy I got at Value Village. I took off the skater on the top and repl- and hot glued uh, General Zod on top of it. <laughs> so, um, so we will be doing a trivia contest uh, with Empire Strikes Back. So that'll be in a couple weeks. So find us anywhere you find uh, podcasts, and as well as you can find uh, my own personal show, The Outer Rim Rookie, which is if you don't know the five hundred first Garrison or five hundred first Legion. Sorry. It's a group of guys and girls dressing up like stormtroopers, or in my case, a scout trooper, and just helping charities out. So we're on our the YouTube channels on our Generation X Wing uh, YouTube page, where you can watch me. Um, we have have vlogs up how to join the how to join the garrison, how to join the Legion, and uh, just how to build uh, scout trooper armor. If that's anything you're interested interested as well. But uh, man, that is. Being a 501st member is the most one of the most satisfying things around. So um, check out the YouTube show. Also, uh, Abram Rookie on Facebook, Generation X Wing on Facebook, T Public, all that sort of stuff. You, if you know how to Instagram, Twitter, all that sort of stuff. So you know. Cool, Rob. Thanks for joining us, man. It was a thank blast, you. Absolutely a blast to have you. This is wonderful, Rick. Where do people find you? Uh, well, before you people start looking for me, um, I want to echo the sentiments and say. You know, a conversation like this is one of the things that I absolutely live for, it being a part of this fandom. You know, just, you know, talking with friends about what these movies mean to us, what we've learned, what we've might have missed that we, you know, we're, we're newly picking up on after all of these years. You know, the movies that we've grown up on with and, and now that we're viewing through different lenses, you know, having kids of our own uh, or, or just being adults. Um, and how perspective can can shift. So, uh, Kyle, thank you, and and Rob, thanks for for jumping on board, uh, Cannon Fodder, for this. Um, but uh, if you're looking for me, and I don't know why you would be, but uh, you can find me on uh, the Twitter box at uh, Cadbane's Bounty. You can also find me um, in the Facebook uh, Tumbling Saber group. Uh, where uh, things are cool and uh, Corey's uh, lurking around in the shadows, uh, <laughs> flicking boogers and being a butthole, generally speaking. Um, <laughs> Corey, know, Corey knows I love him. He, I love him like um, rules with a Z. I, I, you know what? I, I love Corey like I love picking scabs. 
You know what I mean? This is—he's just—it's so satisfying. Like when there's all that love, it's like oh, it's just a little itch of like oh, look, there's Corey. There's a little Corey right there. And then you pick it off, and it's like oh, Corey. Corey's great. He's good. He's good people. Kyle, you, you make Carlos say nicer things about Corey every week. Well, Carlos is going to hear this eventually, so you know. I, he, Carlos doesn't listen to these shows. Are you kidding me? He's spending too much time on a C3PO fan page. Oh, wow. You're both going to hear it. <laughs> You're both going to get it. There'll be, there'll be a comment in your Twitter feed at some point. Listen, you... <laughs> but anyway, that's where you can find me. Otherwise, uh, I'm just around uh, geeking out about Star Wars. So you can find me just walking down the street, just yelling Star Wars like a madman. <laughs> that's the way to be. Uh, you can find me, Tumbling Saber, on Twitter, on Instagram, and in our close Facebook group. That's where you'll find me. But uh hope you all enjoyed this episode of Cannon Fodder. I know I had a blast. And uh, we're going to catch you again next time. No, don't know what we're talking about, but uh, episode, we got a next, another episode of the Tumbling Saber podcast coming up this weekend. Another big one. Hope you'll be there for, to listen to it. So thanks for listening. We'll see you then, and may the force be with you. Thanks, everybody. Peace.